Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, and today, actually tonight, I'm coming to you from a far-off land, uh, a land known for the Serengeti, for Gorogoro National Park, but most importantly, for the tallest mountain in all of Africa. I'm currently in my hotel-slash-tent um, just after having finished the Lamosho route of Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro is the tallest mountain on the African continent. Continent. It towers at 5,985 feet, at 85 meters, uh, which is at about 19,340 feet. And I've just completed the trek with a team of people that we brought on this big adventure through my guiding business with Andrew from High Mountain Life called Adventures Done Right. So one of the new businesses that uh, I started this year with, with Andrew is, uh, is we guide people all over the world. We took a group uh, to Iceland some months ago, and now we find ourselves here, a group of 10 people, um, exploring this far-off land in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and you know what? It's gone much more smoothly than we imagined it would. Um, the mountain was challenging. Uh, the flights were long. Um, the route was easy, by no means technical, um, but altitude a few times gave me some pretty massive headings. But the accomplishment and the way we all feel now is a feeling that I'm confident will not go away, something that will stay with us forever, um, considering that this is indeed a trip of a lifetime. So um, I'd love to recommend for people to come to Tanzania. You know, it's a very, very poor country, but it's got this spectacularly tall mountain that has a very accessible route. And we decided to do the Lamosho route because it allows us to acclimatize while we're going up. So uh, for those that are unaware, when you're climbing a mountain at very high altitude, you can get altitude sickness. And this, what happens here is that your body uh, is reacting to the lack of oxygen. And sometimes things can go pretty badly. But there's a very simple way to protect against this. And there's, well, there's a few different ways. The first is if you live in a place that's already high altitude, then your body, excuse me, is already accustomed to, to being at altitude. For example, Several of our guests come from Mexico City, and, uh, and Mexico's around, I think, 3,000 meters already, or 2,000 meters. So, so their, their bodies are already regulated to this. That being said, one of the surefire ways that we used um, in order to, to climb this mountain and to not be as concerned about altitude was to take Diamox pills, which these pills, basically what they do is that they uh, allow more your blood to circulate more freely in your body and therefore more oxygen is in the blood and it protects you from having altitude sickness. Now, the, the pills also give you a bit of a tingling sensation uh, all over your body, which is a little bit different uh, for sure, but uh, I'd rather do that route than be concerned about um, getting altitude sickness. Uh, the Lamosho route is often considered the most beautiful of all the trekking trails up Kilimanjaro. It's one of the newer routes on the mountain and shares a portion of the same path as the Machami route, although it holds a few advantages 
over that route that definitely make it uh, worth considering, particularly for people that have extra time. Now, for us, having traveled what feels like halfway around the world to get um, to Tanzania, we found it an, a no-brainer to take our guests on this route. Um, it was our first time, uh, or my first time in Tanzania, and, uh, and the team required to do the route in the way that we did uh, was by no means small. We had 33 porters carrying tents, sleeping bags, our personal gear, um, not the cameras, food, um, uh, a bathroom. Literally, we carried two portable bathrooms up an entire, up and down an entire mountain. Um, food like watermelon and mango and uh, all these different fruits that you would never imagine would be carried up a mountain uh, were indeed our companions uh, for this trip. So um, I think I mentioned it again, I'll mention it again uh, once again, but uh, I mentioned it earlier, is that uh, Andrew and I have started a company called Adventures Done Right where we take people all over the world on journeys uh, that are a little bit off the beaten path or they have a twist um, which is uh, different than being guided by anyone else. One of the neat things uh, when you come on trips with us is having personal photographers uh, create content for you um, of the entire journey. So the Lamosho route, um, so we I'll, I'll start with the flying in. The route during a pandemic uh, that we took was, in my case, Vancouver, Calgary, Calgary, Amsterdam. And in Amsterdam, if you're doing, if you're in transit and you're vaccinated and you're double vaccinated, then you don't have to do any tests or anything. You just simply uh, stay in the international um, departures area and then you're able to continue on your route so long as you're not there for more than 24 hours. And in a pandemic, you know, this made everything very smooth because we were concerned of, oh, hey, can we even fly in? Uh, to Amsterdam, and, uh, and at the end of the day, so long as you are double vaccinated, uh, you, you, you can. And then from Amsterdam, we flew to Jero, which is the Kilimanjaro uh, airport. Now, a lot of people th say, you know, well, how are you traveling during a pandemic? It must be so concerning. You must be worried about, uh, about uh, the d getting COVID over there and whatnot. And the reality is that after two years of being in semi-lockdowns and lockdowns and seeing that this new variant isn't nearly as, uh, as dangerous as the previous one made me think, you know, why not? Let's do this. And, uh, and our guests and ourselves threw caution to the wind and said, life must be lived. Um, I am a believer in vaccines. I do believe I have vaccinated my little boy as well, um, who's the only one uh, in my three kids that's eligible for it. So, so all of this to say that if we take the steps that, uh, that our government and, uh, and our doctors and scientists are pushing us to do in order so that we may travel, that travel is still possible. Um, so once we landed here, um, we got ready for our guests to arrive. Um, they flew in from different parts of the world. And, uh, and then the day after we began our journey to climb uh, the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. I think, I'm almost sure it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. Um, the Lamosho route uh, takes the way we saw um, 
a few different animals and a few curious creatures like a chameleon uh, the other day while we were walking and these strange um, black and white tailed monkeys uh, during the forest trails. Uh, we saw small lizards and, of course, many different birds that make the strangest of sounds uh, to our ears. Um, we wandered around out onto the Shira Plateau, crossing it from west to east on a relatively flat and easy walk terrain. The first day was only about four kilometers, uh, and the second day, though, was uh, 17. Now, that day is the day that I had headaches beating at me, but my solution came quite easily uh, by popping an Advil and a Tylenol, as well as upping my dose of Diamox, and this allowed me to not have such a terrible headache and uh, and to feel much better on the route. But that 17-kilometer day is still a very, very long day. But what makes, you know, this type of trekking expedition very different than the thing, the treks that I'm accustomed accustomed to, is that we've got porters and they're carrying a duffel bag with all of our extra gear that you might have. So you anything from solar panels to clean socks and shirts and <laughs> and and whatnot makes it for a spectacular. One of our uh, uh, clients that came on, on the trip, but uh, that has also helped us uh, in creating content. So he's a bit of a mix of client and assistant photographer um, for the journey, um, Jose Pablo. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk to him about it because he uh, is 20 years old. And I find that a 20-year-old telling you a little bit about how uh, unique and special this journey was is very different than this old man. <laughs> no, I am not old. I'm 39. But it's, it's a different perspective, most definitely, from mine uh, to his. So, so I'm excited to get him on the show later on uh, if he's available to chat because tonight we are packing to head off uh, on an African safari uh, tomorrow for the next few days to Ngorogoro National Park in search of um, giraffes and lions and um, all sorts of wonderful, wonderful uh, African animals. So day two, um, we, we had already crossed the Shira Plateau and then we, we went up above the, the tree line. Because of its remote nature and lengthier route, Lamosho takes a few extra days to trek most people spend seven or eight days on this trail. In our case, we spent uh, seven, which causes the success rate to increase quite dramatically because of the acclimatization of going up this mountain at a, at a slower pace than the people that are trying to do it in uh, three or four days. Um, if you're looking to maximize your chances of reaching the top of the mountain, this is certainly one of the best options to choose, particularly over the Machame route and Marengo route. Um, despite the higher success rate, it should be noted that it's a much more strenuous hike um, than what they call the whiskey and the Coca-Cola routes. Um, there's some sections of the trail that are steeper and more demanding. And of course, trekkers spend an extra night or two sleeping uh, in tents as well. We, we slept throughout in, in tents um, and, uh, and it was quite an experience. We're, we're very fortunate that, uh, that we didn't get uh, rain until the last day. But I do see that my friend Jose Pablo has joined as one of our listeners. Um, and so in a moment, I'm going to invite him to chat a little bit because instead of tonight focusing too much about where the route meanders through um, and the, the type of terrain, I really wanted to give you a perspective not only 
from uh, myself being uh, an explorer and adventurer, uh, expeditioner, obviously, uh, but also of uh, this young gentleman who's uh, 20 years old, hails from Guadalajara, Mexico, and who came on this journey with us uh, to help us uh, create content, to help us uh, with our guests. But uh, partially, like I mentioned earlier, he's half client, um, half, uh, half uh, assistant to us. And it was quite uh, special to have him on board. So let me see if I can uh, invite him here to speak. Um, Jose Pablo, you've been invited to speak. All you have to do is accept that. And then, uh, and then in a moment, you can unmute your microphone. Um, and that's one of the really neat things about uh, the Colin app is it's a very social app. And so it's nice to have people on board. So now all you have to do, Jose Pablo, is unmute your speaker and I will be able to hear your voice. Hello, hello, hello Robert. How are hey, you? very good. And yourself? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you. Excited. So, excited. so before before I get into uh, about the trip, uh, tell us a little bit about your demographic background. Where do you come from? What are you studying? Uh, and maybe perhaps uh, what are some of your ambitions in life? Um, and, I'll, and I'll start with saying that you're a 20-year-old young man from Guadalajara. Well, uh, well to begin with, uh, uh, my name is Jose Pablo. I'm from Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. And I was studying in, in, the, in the university on my second year. And when everything started in the pandemic and the online classes and all that stuff, uh, uh, Roberto, it's always been a good friend of mine. And he invited me to this semester to go uh, in a few trips with him to Iceland and to here to Tanzania. And mm-hmm. so I, 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 I left school for six months and I joined him for this great adventures. And here we are in Tanzania. And he, so far it has been a, a blessful, uh, blessing experience so far. Well, and, and, and what were you, what were you studying in university or what are you studying while you take this sabbatical? I was studying in Universidad Panamericana. And I was studying in uh, uh, international business. Right. Very good. And uh, I know you're also a hiker as well and a kite surfer uh, as well. Um, but, uh, but tell me a little bit about um, what you thought or what your expectations were of climbing the tallest mountain, uh, the tallest freestanding mountain uh, on the African continent. Did you well, think it was going to be hard or easy, um, basically? So basically, I was expecting a challenge. Uh, I didn't want it to be easy, and it didn't disappoint me. Mm-hmm. It was super, super, I was super tired uh, along the days. And also, it was a, a seven-day trip, oh. so that was pretty exhausting. But it was all hello, worth hello. it. And hello, Robert, can you listen to me? Yeah, you're you're cutting in and out. Are you on the Wi-Fi no, or are I'm you on three G? Four G. Four G. Okay, yeah. Keep on the four G. Sorry, you cut out for a moment. So you expected it. Uh, it didn't disappoint you in that it was still a difficult trek or 
that uh, required quite yeah, some energy. Yeah, actually, it was more difficult than I expected, especially the last day when the the altitude kicked in and I was feeling dizzy and I was feeling kind of so tired. And uh, and when you say point, the, the I actually, yeah, go ahead. Ah, uh, so at some point I actually thought to myself, uh, am I going to be able to make it? And, and in the end, everything went well and the, the altitude, uh, didn't affect me so much. So I was able to, to summit the Kilimanjaro and that was, that was amazing. <laughs> and, and you weren't taking any Diamox. You decided to, to do this trek. Uh, without altitude uh, sickness pills, and it didn't seem to affect you until the very last day when we were what about eighteen thousand feet up uh, up high. Was that uh, did, like I, I was super impressed by that because I needed to take Diamox, Advil, Tylenol, and <laughs> all of these things because I live uh, at sea level, and uh, and so it definitely affected me me a, a fair bit. But anyways, I was just saying that you didn't have to take any of these things. So what I want, uh, I think, to, to ask you is what section of the Lamosho route did you find the most difficult? Well, uh, the most difficult part of the Lamosho route was the, the, the final climb, I think, because all the way in, in, the, in the trail, uh, we we hiked uh, long distances or very steep uh, ways, but it it I mean it wasn't that hard. So um, yeah, for sure, I think the the last the last hike when you woke up so early in the morning, you woke up at 11 p.m. and you have to do a six-hour hike and uh, in a 55 degree angle of steep so uh when the altitude kicking so yeah i'd say that the last day was the the most beautiful I, but also the most difficult difficult i remember that uh when we were going up i was exhausted as well and i would take two steps and i'd actually close my eyes and take another two steps and just hope that i didn't bump into uh the guy that was in front of me but one of the things people aren't aware of is that altitude makes you tired um and so you feel a little out of it and and in in my mind i was also thinking to myself like man this is a lot harder than i expected it to be to be but uh but so so very rewarding and i turned back to look at some of the people and and they look how I felt. <laughs> they they look really 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 kind of out of it and uh, and tired. But uh, but I think that when we summited and we, we got to Stella Point, which is in some odd uh, feet, and we felt the sun. Uh, come over the horizon in this spectacular uh, show of orange and and red really got to make it to the real summit at 19,340 feet. So that, that was a pretty special moment, no? We all hugged and, and celebrated that, that we'd made it up that section and that Dawn yeah. was greeting us uh, again. How did you feel uh, when, we, when we got to the summit? Well, actually, before the summit... Uh you you can you you saw up in the sky and you didn't know if there there were flashlights or stars 
that you have to follow. So right. that's kind of tiring. <laughs> but when the when the sun kicked in and the and you can uh, when I personally can saw the the and sun, be like, is that a flashlight I, or is that? Yep. I felt like so so relieved. I was like, yeah, I'm here. I made it, and was that that was I don't know. I felt just so such a relief and. Uh, uh, after everything we've been through, uh, th- that was amazing. <laughs> I, I think one of the neat things that uh, about traveling in a group like we did with our right, is that uh, that we come together as a group of people that were previously strangers, and uh, and when you accomplish such a task like climbing a mountain um, during uh, during funky weather and and uh, altitude and on another continent that it really brought everybody uh, together. Oh, hello, hello. hello I'm losing hello. signal. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, for sure, sure. Sorry, Robert. Yeah, I, I got a, Yeah, I, I think I cut out a little bit because this is Africa and uh, the signal yeah. seems... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seems to jump in and out, <laughs> but uh, but this is Africa. The signal goes in and out uh, all the time. So we'll just we'll just keep going on this uh, and hope that it doesn't uh, stutter too much. And then when we publish, I think it'll it'll work well. But um, so then we made it to the True Summit, um, and from Stella Point to uh, Uhuru Peak, uh, it was still you know pretty arduous section of forty five minutes. Uh, yeah, for but sure. we, we started dancing at the top with our our porters and uh, and the and our friends um, and and quite the quite the celebration um, for a group of people that uh, only a few days ago uh, were were strangers. What was the I guess I guess what the next question that I that I have for you would be is what would be if you were to tell somebody that had never done this trip and that assumed that the trip is done uh, carrying the, all their own gear and whatnot, what, what would you tell them about how, how easy, I guess, it is in regards to having support? Because we have porters, we have guides, um, we have photographers. Um, so that really changes the game. So it's so much so that one of our guests, uh, 76-year-old Javier, made it he although he didn't reach the summit he made it to 5000 uh plus meters uh, alone so what would you tell someone of what to expect on on a journey like this one um and and is it possible if they're a 40 year old for example that doesn't do an enormous amount of exercise uh is it possible for them to do this trip i mean uh, I think that the, uh, with all the help we had, it, it was game changing because you have to, you don't have to carry all your stuff. You don't have to carry all your food or your, your tent. And also the, the spirit that the people gives you, it's amazing. I remember that in, in the middle of the night, the, the last hike, the, the, our guides started singing and, I don't know. They just gave you such an energy, like to keep going, to never give up, and also they they make you believe in yourself. And I think this is super important in this in this hike because it's a long trip. So if you stop believing in yourself, 
you're not going to reach the top. And these guys remind you. I think that the the biggest support that they gave us uh, was the, mm-hmm. the mental strength and uh, and the confidence in ourselves. So yeah, I think it's it's game changing to have them around, and and it was uh, it was super super. Uh, super cool to have them around because they're super nice people and super funny and I don't know they have such an energy yeah. <laughs> that they transfer to you and it's 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 amazing. <laughs> and, and and by traveling with our Tanzanian guides, we got a glimpse into uh, the Tanzanian lifestyle and the way the people uh, eat, talk, laugh, make jokes, um, and I think that's that's quite unique. Uh, normally, when when I or you go climb a mountain, you know we go with friends, uh, but we never go with a, a native that's local to that area. And uh, particularly when you're in a different country, I think that that adds a lot of value uh, to have guides that are importers that are from a different location because we get a glimpse into their lives about what uh, a journey is like this. And you you mentioned the laughter. We there are many groups. And uh, there are approximately 10,000 people uh, that climb it. But on our trek, what I found really neat is we're the, the majority of the group is, uh, is Mexican uh, and myself being Canadian and half Mexican. But we laughed, we joked, we sang, we made fun of each other, we made fun of others, they made fun of us. We, we just, it's a very joyous, uh, fun uh, ambience. And, uh, and all the other groups noticed it, too, because when we were climbing up, people would say, oh, Mexican team, and uh, how's it going? And, and, uh, and then, oh, at, at, like, I'd say at least five or six different groups um, recognized us because, damn, are we loud. <laughs> yeah, damn, are we loud. And definitely uh, a very happy and, uh, and gregarious group. And I think that adds a lot to to the experience and to the mental state because as Andrew, my my co-founder of Adventures Done Right, often mentions, it's it's 80% in your mind and 20% uh, physical ability to get up these mountains. So it's I, I think it was really nice that uh, that we were recognized as a group by other groups and the porters, actually, no, it was the guides that later on told us, the, the local guides that we use, they said, you know, the, the guides from some of the other companies kept telling us, oh man, I wish I was in your group. You guys are having, look like you're having so much fun. <laughs> so, so I think that was neat. And, and Mexicans are known for their humor, right? Yeah, for sure. We make, uh, we make a lot of fun of each other. So that's what makes it like more personal and more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that, uh, that that attitude also added to the success rate of our group because when you take difficult situations like these in a bit more of a lighthearted way, um, it's just, it's just easier on a, on a mental state to, to make it up. So I guess my next trick is how is the food on a trek? What type of food did we did we get on this Tanzanian adventure? I mean, I never had food like this in food like this in in the in a mountain or in a in a trek like that. 
uh, usually with like astronaut food, uh, I will say like you <laughs> right. have some 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 powder and uh, you put some water and you eat what you have and it's cold and it's wet and but in this case i mean the food was just getting better and better with with the days passing i mean one day we had pasta and and bolognese i think it's called yeah and and meat and i don't know some vegetables and i i never felt so full or or so empty it was like the perfect amount and the perfect amount of energy i felt so strong along the all the trip and right. i think it was it was due to the food and and actually it was pretty good food uh i i i all, always empty my my plate uh, and, so, and, plate and sometimes you emptied other people's plates yeah too. for sure when everyone <laughs> when someone else had like uh, mountain sickness i was there to finish their food and we had plates in them you know so that that was pretty luxurious if you ask me for a mountain <laughs> so so that's what makes uh this type of trek very very different is that you literally have porters carrying watermelon and mangoes and potatoes and rice and meat and steaks and all of these uh foods that like you mentioned normally would be uh, space food that's freeze-dried <laughs> foods or, or uh, dehydrated meals. So, so you actually eat a very well-rounded meal and coffee and tea. And uh, it, it makes it so that the people that normally uh, would be put off by doing an adventure like this one because they don't want to be eating rehydrated foods for seven days <laughs> um, would say, you know what, that's pretty neat that we actually get three meals a day um, and they're, they're delicious meals. Um, and I think that makes, adds a lot of value and a lot of, to the experience for those that aren't, uh, accustomed to being in the mountains. So a few of our guests, I know you've spent a lot of time in a tent, uh, trekking and hiking and mm -hmm. on many different adventures, but some of our guests had either never slept in a tent or the last time they slept in a tent was 30 years ago when they were 13, um, <laughs> And so, so it was very thing to sleep in a tent and wake up to a dehydrated meal than to sleep in a tent and wake up to. So, so very much uh, to the experience. Um, I guess I've got one more question for you. Uh, the signal here in Tanzania is a little fickle, so I would love to keep this today's <laughs> podcast going for an hour because I easily could. But I think we'll we'll do this podcast in sections um, in case just for once that I don't lose signal right now, and for two because there's so much to talk about um, the adventure and so much to share about it. But I guess my my final question to you would be is. Um, what type of feeling did climbing Kilimanjaro leave you with? Like, how, how do you think you'll look back on this experience at ten, 19 years from now when you're my age? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 will you, what will be the favorite moments that you look back upon uh, from climbing uh, one of the tallest mountains in the world? Well, actually, what... what... I'm going to remember a lot is that the people that, that we came to uh, to this trip, as you mentioned, uh, were, we were strangers a few days ago. And the way that we get closer 
uh, as the days passed was was pretty neat. I mean, I, I love to new new people, and I I love to see how the how the mountain change uh, the way someone behaves. So the climbing uh, climbing Kilimanjaro was one of the most blessing experience of my life because not only I was doing what I love, what I, I like to do, and I was climbing the most uh, tall mountain in, in Africa, but also I was I was with people that I don't know, uh, there's, there's, I don't know, the, the people that it's what makes the, what makes the experience. experience so, yeah, the experience so, so, so good. So I think I'm going to remember that, the people that I came with in this trip. I, I think you had mentioned this before when we were chatting, uh, sitting at the table uh, at 16,000 feet somewhere, because yes, Porter's literally carry up a table for us to sit and chairs <laughs> to sit at uh, for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Uh, but uh, you had mentioned that, that uh, the experience of doing this with other people that, that become friends and that become acquaintances and that uh, go through the hardship with us uh, brought us all together. And it's what made it so very, very special. Jose Pablo, Thank you for coming to chat with me today. We better uh, get to packing our bags that we wake up at five in the morning because we're heading off to search. <laughs> yeah, we probably for, should. <laughs> yeah, we're going to head off to look for cheetahs and elephants and giraffes and all sorts of African wildlife. And uh, we'll definitely have to do uh, a part two and a part three to the Kilimanjaro Lamosho route. So thank you, Jose Pablo. Thanks for joining me tonight. And uh, I look forward to having you on once again. For sure. Thank you very much for, for inviting me. <laughs> Thanks, Jose Pablo. Have a good night, and I'll see you in a few hours. <laughs> yeah, you too. See you in a few hours. Well, th so there you go, guys. That's uh, just a little bit of a chat um, with one of uh, the people that, that joined us on this uh, expedition. And, uh, and I think it's very unique um, to give you, uh, to, for you to listen to the voice of a young man um, who's just accomplished this incredible feat because there is an energy in youth and, uh, and it's a beautiful thing to see that energy uh, and to see that excitement because in the same way that I love to see the world through my children's eyes uh, when they like something, it's really nice to see uh, for people from different ages also see the world through their own lens and, uh, and for, us to, for me to listen to their experiences through the lens of their uh, youth, age, or sometimes older age, like one of the other guests that we had, uh, I think adds a lot to life and, and we get a lot of wisdom from it. So I better get to packing as well. Tomorrow is a very another big day. But I do invite you to head over to our Instagram page, Adventures Done Right, uh, so that you could see uh, more about our journey uh, climbing uh, the famed Kilimanjaro. Uh, you can also head over to High Mountain Life, uh, which is my co-founder of Adventures Done Right, and see all the different places that we've uh, started to take people and as well as more on our African trip. And of course, I invite you to check out our Instagram, The Expeditioners, where we post our stories daily. That is when we have signal. I'm Roberto for The Expeditioners. Thank you very much for uh, tuning into the podcast tonight. And uh, wherever in the world you may be, I bid you good night or good morning, and we'll see you next time, Expeditioner.